0: Kentucky basketball suffers a heartbreaking loss at the hands of the Arkansas Razorbacks. We recap an incredible game on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alright, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode, we are going to be recapping Kentucky basketball's close loss to the Arkansas Razorbacks in Bud Walton Arena, 75-73 was the final score. We are going to go over the first half, the second half. We're going to give some final thoughts here and then just kind of look ahead as we only have two games remaining in the regular season. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Online. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Betonline, where the game starts. All right, first half analysis here. Uh, it was a, it was a really weird start to the first half. So I believe it was about a minute and a half, two minutes. both these teams went without scoring, uh, just couldn't get a lot of momentum going, couldn't get a lot of rhythm going on either end for either team. And Kentucky scored the first basket. It was a it was a 17 footer, I believe, from Oscar Sheebway. Uh, and then after Kentucky scored the first two, Arkansas went on a 15 to nothing run. And we've seen Kentucky do this at times over their, their past several games actually, uh, where they just allow the opponent to get a double-digit lead and then they just kind of challenge themselves, I guess, by uh, attempting to come back. Uh, and it's it, it, on, honestly, I think that you have to look at both sides of it, right? I think that, first of all, it's really impressive that Kentucky has managed to consistently come back uh, in some of their most recent games just time and time and time again. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like it's not great to see this team consistently... Having really cold starts, so I believe we were down in the Florida game, eventually came back and won that one. We were down in the Tennessee game, we lost that one on the road. We were down by a ton against Alabama, came back and won that one. We were down by, uh, by quite a bit against LSU as well. won that one. and here we are. We lost by two against Arkansas, and they were up, I believe it was 17 to two, 15 to two at one point in this game. 17 to four. Uh, again, just a just a really weird start. Um, and I, and I say weird as if it's uncharacteristic, but again, like the past several games have been like this. So it, it, it was just, it was just odd. I will say though, in terms of uncharacteristic, when Kentucky does start to lose a little bit of momentum, when they do start to get down by six, seven, 10 points, they start to do some uncharacteristic things. And we've talked about that a lot before on this show, specifically offensively. Kentucky, obviously, one of the best teams in the country in terms of pushing the pace in transition and getting to the rim and scoring efficiently and consistently. But something that they do whenever they get down is they start to rush that transition offense. They start to really speed things up. They really start to not really think about the decisions that they're making. A lot of pull-up mid-range stuff in transition. A lot of just odd decisions, turnovers, different things like that. So, Kentucky started to freak out a little bit. And eventually, they settled down. They got the ball to Oscar Chibwe, who just had a Phenomenal day. Um, I, I thought that Arkansas was going to do a better job of, of, of covering Oscar Shibway. Um They did not. They did not. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Uh, more and more touches in the post for Kentucky really started to work uh, for the Wildcats. Sheebway had all nine of Kentucky's points uh, heading into the under-12 timeout. and That's right. Kentucky only scored nine points uh, after after eight minutes in this game. Pretty good, pretty good. Also, something that I don't think was explained enough, didn't see it a lot on social media. So Arkansas, anytime Davion Mintz touched the ball, they booed him. And there were people on Twitter asking, why is Davion Mintz getting booed? What's the deal? What's their issue? Well, Arkansas, before each game, they, there's some type of media outlet or something that they have where they designate one specific player for the fans to boo. And it's literally, from what I could tell, there's no reason behind it. They just choose one kid and they say, "Guess what? You're gonna get booed today. Congratulations!" So the the player that Arkansas picked was Davion Mintz. Congratulations, Mince! You got booed for absolutely no reason. They're just doing it for fun. At least from that, that's what I got out of it. That's that's the interpretation that I had. So that's that's to explain what was going on because there were, there was a lot of booing uh, whenever Mince touched the ball. Not a lot of fouls. In this game, not a lot of fouls in the first half, definitely not as many as I would have expected. Uh, This was a relatively well officiated game. We don't really say that a whole lot here on the show. I thought the officiating was pretty good uh, on both ends. I was very pleased by that. Not a lot of fouls in the first half. Kentucky did a decent job of playing defense uh, without fouling, but something that Arkansas did really well is they did a phenomenal job, and I mean just a phenomenal job, of penetrating, getting inside, getting to the paint, and making Kentucky switch on their man-to-man defense and switch into bad matchups to get easy buckets at the rim. The Razorbacks scored a couple of times doing this in the first half, and if you'll watch in the second half, you really can go and break it down. It's really fascinating the way that Arkansas would set several screens in order to get a guard to switch into the post, and then they would drive downhill and essentially what at that point was a two-on-one against a guard in the paint, and they would score it will. Um, there were some really interesting things that Arkansas's motion offense did to, to throw Kentucky out of rhythm, and Arkansas has the personnel to do that. They've got some guards that have got a little length to them, got a lot of speed. They can get downhill. Their half-court offense, in my opinion, uh, at times was was weird. Like They, they would occasionally fog up a shot that was just like, okay, they need that, but if I'm a Kentucky guy, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take it, but Really interesting stuff that Eric Musselman has Arkansas running right now. They've got good personnel. Really good personnel to run the stuff that they, uh, that they are uh, doing. The, a lot of downhill attacking stuff. J.D. Note in this game. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. One of the best scores in the SEC. I believe he's second in the conference in points per game. Uh, absolutely had himself a day. And a lot of it was getting to the rim, putting up floaters. Almost unstoppable in the first half. Obviously, not the, not the greatest shooting day in the, uh, in the world. 13 of 26 for J.D. For, uh, JD Notte. uh But, but man, uh, he, was, uh, he was really, really hard to stop. And uh, Shebway, I think, did a decent job uh, of, of protecting the paint. But, man, Arkansas, again, did a really good job of getting him out of there and, and switching, making Kentucky switch, rather. And um, they continued to get looks at the rim. And they knocked quite a few of them down. Uh, in the first half. It was it was at one point, and I believe I tweeted this out, it was like, oh, this, this is going to be one of those days where Arkansas just shoots lights out and there's literally nothing that you can do. So we've seen Kentucky remember the game against Tennessee where it's just like, okay, we're knocking down everything. They're not going to be able to stop us. We dropped 107 points on them. Arkansas, even when Musselman hasn't been there, they've sometimes had games where they just literally cannot be stopped. Literally, they're just going to shoot lights out from every single spot on the floor. There's nothing you can do about it. They're just firing on all cylinders. Uh, woo pig, suey, roll tide, whatever you want to say. I don't care. They, they were literally just on fire. Absolutely on fire. And this was, it felt like one of those games um, for about 20 minutes. And, and then the scoring eventually settled down. And Kentucky's defense figured out that they had a game to play. Severe Wheeler, uh, and I, I don't want to be too negative because, honestly, out of all the losses, this is the one that I feel like the most okay with. Like, it was a good game. We fought. There were some things that we didn't, uh, didn't uh, do well that we need to clean up. I feel like this is more preparation for March. But Severe Wheeler, I do want to point out this for a second. Wheeler took way too many shots in this game. Way too many shots. Which, by the way, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mention it earlier. Washington and Wheeler did play in this game. I assumed, in last episode of the, in the preview episode, that they weren't going to play, and they did. And in my opinion, neither of them played well. Um, but severe Wheeler finished with fourteen points and was five of thirteen from the floor. The amount of times that I saw him put up a shot and ended up before the, the the ball even got to the rim, it's just like that was not the shot we needed on this possession. We needed our point guard to go out and distribute that to somebody else. That's not the shot we wanted. That's not the three we wanted. And he um in my opinion took way too many shots. It's just one of the, one of the complaints here and we'll get to we'll get to my parameters at the end of the episode talking about shot selection and stuff like that, but and we'll move on here. There's more stuff I want to say about the first half and there's more things I want to say about the second half, but we'll go ahead and and move on here. We'll talk about more of the things that kind of irritated me about this first half in just a second. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Online. Football might be over for this season. And I know a lot of you are sad. I personally am distraught uh, that, that football and, uh, and college football and NFL football are, are over. I'm not a massive NFL guy, but man, man, do I love me some college football. It's a, it's a shame that it's been over for what, month now? Month and a half? Sad. But basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. As you very well know, from all the latest odds, totals, player for performance props to where the next fired head coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing and UFC odds coverage right to the Olympics and the Olympics coverage information, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's Online, where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Monday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl here with you recapping Kentucky basketball's 75-73 loss to the Arkansas Razorbacks. I said at the very beginning of this episode that it was heartbreaking, but it was also a great game. And I think that both of those things can be true at the same time, the way that it ended stunk. But this, this second half here was just really, really, really good. It was 34, 28 at the halftime break, Arkansas led by as many as 13, three different times. They led uh 15 to two at one point, 30 to 17 at another and 32 to 19 at another point. Arkansas was shooting 47% from the field. Wildcats were shooting 33% from the field. Uh, Kentucky hadn't made a three yet. At the end of the first half, they were 0 of 8. Uh, Oscar Shibwe, though, I said how, that, that he was working in the first half. Man, he was working hard. Jalen Williams couldn't stop him, uh, and I thought that was going to be one of the most intriguing matchups of, of, this, of this game. Williams couldn't stop him, at least not consistently. Uh, Shibwe would, would get, had some really good post moves that he put on Williams. He would get offensive rebounds and get putbacks. He got fouled quite a bit in the first half. We'll talk about that more in a second. I think it was interesting the way that Arkansas did attempt to play him. But 14 points, 12 rebounds at the uh, halftime break. Kentucky was winning the rebound uh, battle in this game. They eventually did win that. I believe it was 39-30. We'll go check the stats in a second. But J.D. Note, 18 points at the half. He was unstoppable. It, he was really, really hard to guard. I, 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 can sit, I could sit here and complain about the ways that Kentucky could have guarded him. But I'm going to be honest, I mean, if you're averaging 19 points a game and you're at this point in the season, I don't think a lot of teams are really going to be stopping you, even the ones that could potentially win a national title. I mean, I think think J.D. Note is just simply that dude. I just simply think he's that dude. Really impressed. Second half started with Wheeler banking in a three. And again, just talk about shots that I don't think that should have been taken. I'll take the fact that it was banked in. Don't think he called it. But again, just Wheeler taking some ill-advised shots in this game. Some of them rushed knocked it down though and then Kentucky started to climb back into the game it was back and forth back and forth and then Kentucky eventually took the lead under 16 I was watching the game uh, with a buddy of mine and I turned to him I said I was like Kentucky's probably gonna come back in this game and it would be really sweet if they went ahead and did it um, because I believe if we can either cut this to one or take the lead under 16 this is gonna be a fun ball game and I all of that happened. Uh, Kentucky eventually took the lead under 16 uh, in this game, and it was uh, it was a phenomenal game from there on out. Davion Mintz, by the way, I said, I, because I didn't expect Wheeler or Washington to play, I expected Mintz to be taking a lot of shots in this game. He probably would have uh, if Mintz, or if uh, Wheeler and Washington had not played based on the amount of shots that those two took. So Mintz might have been more of a factor had those guys not been at full, uh, full strength. Um, but he was like o of 2 from the floor, played 19 minutes, didn't really do a whole lot. I said he might be one of the most important pieces of this game. Yeah, he didn't do anything. Once again, Jaboy was wrong. Anyway, uh, the duel between J.D. Notay and Oscar Shibway in the second half was really, really fun to watch. It was just like Notay would get a layup. Then Kentucky would come down and work it into the post, and Sheway would get one. Then Note would get one. At one point, there was literally it's like back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back to back buckets between these two. And Arkansas tried really really hard to prevent shewe from getting looks at the basket they were very physical with him they played good defense and there were there were quite a few fouls called with with Shibway, um with Shibway trying to work in the post very aggressive I think I called that uh, that that Arkansas would probably foul a little bit they didn't really foul a whole lot of other people outside of shebway though and we'll get to that later on the show but Arkansas, very physical inside. Kentucky, not particularly physical inside. Uh, they were at times, but not as much as Arkansas. And they had a really hard time stopping the Razorbacks' guards downhill. That was one of the things that we discussed um, in the preview episode uh, of this matchup. It was a great game, but it, and, and, I, and I thought that this was a, honestly a bad matchup. I didn't expect that it, it to be this close, but it was a great game. Unfortunately, Kentucky was just simply plagued by the, their inability to stop a downhill drive to the basket without fouling. And it really hurt them at the end of, end of this game, by the way. I mean, there were, there were several times where, it's, where it was Williams or Note or Tony, and they, they would just find a mismatch and they would work the ball inside quickly and Kentucky would have to foul because if they didn't, it would have been an easy two. If you count Kentucky's bench which I know, and I put that in air quotes in my notes. If you count Kentucky's bench in this game, uh, which has been relatively non-existent uh, over these past several, several games for quite some time now, Kentucky's bench had 24 points. Um, and those 24 points came from uh, Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington, who, um, who came off the bench for the Wildcats in this matchup. Lance Ware, Bryce Hopkins, Damon Collins played a combined four minutes in this game. And they all combined to uh, to statistically record one rebound. Lance Ware got one. Other two guys did nothing. I'm not going to sit here and and complain about the way that Coach Cal likes to to run his team. Because Kentucky right now is one of the ten best teams in the nation. They've got a lot of talent. And Cal's been around for quite some time. I'm not going to sit here and try and argue with the philosophy that he has. Because obviously it's working. Um. I'm just. I'll just say that it's it's interesting that Kentucky has elected to simply just not use their bench, just about whatsoever. Um, over these over these uh, final few games with uh, especially with the injuries and such, I mean it's just been weird to see. It's just like we're gonna stick with our starting five. We'll maybe go to two other guys, but that's about it. And I know that we're young at a lot of different positions, especially in the front court. I mean, when you look at where Hopkins and, and Collins, I mean. They're very young, very inexperienced, um, but but still. I'm not saying that playing them more would help. I'm just saying that at times it feels like we need a little bit of, uh, of, a, of a rotation. Because I'll say this, and I know we don't have that shooter. If C.J. Frederick was healthy, um, this team would operate a lot different and teams would have to adjust. Defensively, opponents would have to adjust. If C.J. Frederick was healthy, we would swap him out and we would, we would swap between him and Kellen Grady. Kellen Grady having to play as as many minutes as he does and not be able to get the ball in his hands to shoot is a problem. Teams have recognized and acknowledged the fact that he's their best shooter. He's the guy that's taking threes for them and making them. If we, it, opponents are going, if we can shut him down, then this offense probably has a difficult time outside of Oscar Sheewe, of course. And Arkansas and LSU did this as well did a really good job of making sure that Grady could not even get close to just about touching the ball especially shooting Grady had three shot attempts in this game he made one three was one of three um but that that's a problem that's a problem heading into March Madness not being able to get Grady going and again I think if Frederick was healthy and he was playing this would not be this would not even being uh this would not be discussed at all I'm just acknowledging the fact that The way everything sits right now, it's it's an issue. It's an issue. This was, again, a really good game. It was a phenomenal game from about the 15-minute mark to the 1-minute and 30-second mark Uh, in this game. It was literally just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Just really entertaining. The crowd was incredible. Uh, I believe Arkansas striped out their arena. It, It looked great. It sounded great. Uh, the play-by-play was not fantastic for the CBS broadcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that um, it wasn't bad. Um, it's was just a lot of people did not really like the color commentary, and I just I thought that was entertaining. But you, you I, I noted know, I know it a little bit ago, but Kentucky really started to foul late because Arkansas was getting uh, drives to the rim, and Brooks got called for a foul. Uh, late when Kentucky was trying to inbound the ball down I believe 77 uh, it was 70 to 71 Kentucky was down by one they were trying to inbound the ball and Brooks was trying to get free and he elbowed uh, an Arkansas player in the face and that was called for a foul and after that the game was just about over I mean Kentucky was uh, had a couple of three-pointers blocked uh, that they were trying to when when they were trying to get back into the game and Arkansas shot their free throws. They were going to win by five, and then Washington banked in a three at the end of the game to, to cut it to two. And I'll, I'll say that it was a good call on Keon. Um, I think Brooks played better than a lot of people gave him credit for in this game. A lot of people were complaining about Keon Brooks after this matchup. I don't think he played bad. Um, but you can't do that at the end of the game. That's for sure. I also think that the Arkansas players sold it really well because if you go back and watch, you can see before Brooks starts to push him, the Arkansas player flicks his head back, and it's not even his head nor his neck that Brooks is pushing on. So he sold it, and then Brooks pushed off, and he got called. It got called for a foul. It was a right. It was the right call. I'm just saying that, you know, Brooks Brooks can't do that, and then the opposing player really really sold sold the last little bit of it. Well, we're gonna talk about some of the statistics here and just kind of look forward. Uh, again, this is one of the this is one of the few losses of this season where I've come out of it and be like and been like. Yeah, I, I feel completely fine. That was acceptable. That was a really good team at home. You're not gonna see um you're not gonna see a very, very many uh more difficult environments to play in from here on out because you play at Florida and then uh you play in the NCAA tournament, and we all know that Kentucky fans travel and those crowds are going to be those pr- crowds are likely going to be pro Wildcat. Same for the SEC tournament. I'm gonna be there, by the way. That's gonna be hype. Um, but we'll talk about some of the final stats and final thoughts here, my parameters and such in just a second. But before we do that, want to tell you guys about our friends at Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, and it's all thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not even really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Built Bars are low in calorie and high in protein. You can replace your candy bars with these. They are simply better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Again, very, very healthy, and they also taste delicious. And Built has so many different flavors. They've got mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. They've got so many different more salted caramel, uh, cookies, and cream. And for this month, they've got white chocolate cookies and cream. It's a brand-new flavor they are all delicious and built has all uh, kinds of flavors coming out all the time. If built thinks a flavor might be good, they will make it. It will be delicious and it will be good for you as well. You can go to built.com right now and you can use promo code locked15 and get 15% off your order. Again, you can use promo code locked15 for 15% off your order at built.com. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl here with you. If you're listening on podcast format, would really appreciate it. If you left a review for the show, let me know what you think about it. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, you want to leave a comment, give me your thoughts on the game. Give me your thoughts on what I've said so far. If you, you, if you agree, if you disagree, leave it in the comments below. I believe we're over we're over 550 subscribers on YouTube right now, which is just absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to start posting more to the community tab once I, that actually gets up uh, here in a second. Going to be putting out polls and such; should be fun. But some final thoughts here. Uh, first off, first thing I want to say is Arkansas is the only team in the SEC that is undefeated against the top 25. They've beaten Auburn. They've beaten Arkansas. Or excuse me, whoa. They've beaten LSU. They've beaten Tennessee, and now they've beaten Kentucky. Really impressive what the Hawks are doing right now to end the season. I believe they won 13 of their last 14, figured out how to play a little defense. Um, They've got a star player. They've got solid role players. They've got depth, a lot of depth, considering the amount of transfers that they brought in. And then something else I wanted to mention before we got into the stats and parameters is Oscar Sheewe is now fourth all-time on the single-season rebounds list for Kentucky. He's got 445 rebounds. That's fourth uh, most in a single-season all-time for the Wildcats. And I did a little math quickly because uh, Shibwe's averaging 15.3 rebounds a game. I'm like, okay, so we've only got so many games left in the season. How many games would it take for Shibwe to uh, to become the number one all-time? Well, if you think that this team is Elite Eight caliber, it would quite literally take a trip to the Elite Eight for Shibwe if he continued to play average, which is average for him is insane. But if he played average... He would become the, the single-season uh, rebound uh, leader for Kentucky. And I, I didn't I, for, I forgot who, uh, who currently holds um, the, all-time, the all-time record. But every single player, one through three, played before 1950. So this is the best rebounder we've seen for the Wildcats in the modern era. Just, just very impressive what Sheba has done so far. And I believe that if we win our last two games in the regular season, and then we win the SEC tournament, and then we go to the Elite Eight, um, we would see we would see Shibway break that mark all-time single season rebound rebounder all right stats here for the game Oscar Shewbay did more than just rebound in this contest he went absolutely ballistic offensively uh, had 13 or 30 points excuse me 18 rebounds two assists was 13 of 21 from the floor 4 of 7 from the free throw line Kentucky left a couple of free throws out there um, i don't think it was the main reason that Kentucky lost this game Shibway played 39 minutes, had three fouls, one steal, three blocks. Again, just just does just about everything for the Wildcats. Very impressive how he dominated uh, a front court that is bigger than Kentucky's. Keon Brooks Jr., like I mentioned earlier, I thought he had a decent game. Finished with 14 points, five rebounds, an assist with 7 of 13 from the floor. Had two steals. Uh, Keon... Uh, at times, people have really complained about his defense and his decision making. I've done the same thing, um, but this is not one of those games where I came away and I was like, "Yeah, Keon lost us this game." Yeah, for sure. No, I thought he had some. I, he had a couple of. Uh, he had a couple of uh, steals, and he played well in transition. Got a couple of transition baskets. Um, knocked down a couple of jumpers. I thought it was a, it was a, an average Keon Brooks day. Kellen Grady, like I mentioned. Only, got, only uh, got three shots off, was one of three from the field. Three points, three rebounds, one assist. Played 30 minutes, but it was essentially non-existent. Um, and that's not his fault. I think the offense needs to do a better job of finding ways to get him more open and making sure that defenses don't just specifically hone in on him. I mean, they kind of can, though, because you've got your post player and then you've got your shooter. Um, we need Something that, that I took away from this game, we need Ty Ty Washington to be, be uh, playing better. Started the season off so well. Started off so well. And since that that first injury, he's just not been the same. He really can't hit. Like, he can't shoot. I don't know what the deal is, but he has completely lost his ability to shoot. Finished 3 of 12 against the Razorbacks. 1 of 4 from 3. Banked in that 3 to end the game. Uh, 10 points, 1 rebound, 3 assists. Had 2 steals. Washington did not play well in this game. And quite frankly, he's not played well for a long time. And he's not played well since the Tennessee game. We need Washington to step up so that people stop honing in on Kellen Grady. It'll open the offense up if just one of our guards plays better. Severe Wheeler, 14 points, three rebounds, five assists, was five of 13 on the day. Two of four from three. One of them was banked in. Again, we need we need better guard play. We need better point guard and shooting guard play so that Kellen Grady can actually get some shots up. And again, like I mentioned, if Frederick was healthy, this wouldn't be an issue because he is a, he is a legitimate shooter as well. Gosh, I I, I know that we're we coming to a head with this season, with this team, with this year. I'm really excited for next year's team, man. Like looking down the road, it's not like a this season is the end all be all. I'm really excited to see some of the kids coming in next year. And then you look on Arkansas side. I mean, JD Note finished with thirty points, eight assists, thirteen of twenty-six from the floor. Took a ton of shots for the Razorbacks. Uh, Jalen uh, Jalen Williams, sixteen points, twelve rebounds, two assists for the Razorbacks as well. And then you look. Let's go ahead and get to the parameters here. So I I, I have four different parameters for uh, Kentucky to win games. I, I expect them if they're going to win win uh, win a game, they need to shoot the ball well. They need to have decent shot selection they need to play well in transition both offensively and defensively and then they need to to uh, protect the rim. And let's go over the, those uh four parameters here. So did Kentucky shoot the ball well? No, they did not. Uh they shot 45% from the floor and then 26% from 3. They were 4 15 from 3 on the day. It's not good. It's just no other way to no other way to put it. Maybe we would've, we would have shot better from 3. Uh had Grady been able to actually get some shots up, but No, we did not shoot the ball well. And also part of that was due to the shot selection. So second parameter here, did Kentucky have decent shot selection? I'm not not even saying good or great. I'm just saying decent, like just average shot selection. No, Kentucky did not have decent shot selection. Uh, It wasn't as bad as the LSU game, but it certainly was not good. Again, like I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, uh, there were times where Kentucky was down and they just simply rushed things. They didn't think through things. They fogged up a lot of things that should not have been put up. Just weird at times how this team can play so well, and then times where they're just like, it almost looks like they don't know what to do, so they've got to throw something up quickly. Did Kentucky play well in transition? They actually did. Uh, They actually did play pretty well in transition. 16 fast break points is good. Arkansas only had nine fast break points. Uh, And like I mentioned, something that sparked the comeback at the beginning of the second half was Kentucky uh, taking advantage of some sloppy play by Arkansas and running in transition and getting some buckets. So I think Kentucky played well in transition and they did it at some crucial moments in this game, even though they lost. And then final uh, parameter here, did Kentucky protect the rim? No, simply put, no, they had three blocks. um, But, but Arkansas again, said this four or five times already did just such a great job of finding ways to get, different looks at the rim that Kentucky couldn't protect without fouling. And I know that's something I actually, we'll, we'll wrap this up with this. Um, so there were a couple of comments on the preview episode that were disgruntled with the fact that I said Arkansas gets calls at home. Fair. Um, I thought I explained it in the episode. Maybe I blanked. Maybe I didn't. Uh, if I didn't, I'm completely sorry. Um, I thought I covered this in the episode. But there was a chart put out recently, um, and it detailed, like, the disadvantage and the advantages uh, at different for different SEC teams at home and on the road. Um, Missouri, I believe, has the worst road disadvantage in the entire conference. Auburn is second in terms of, like, the amount of fouls that they get called as opposed to their average amount of fouls. And then Arkansas, when you look at their, uh, their uh, numbers on the chart, they get four less call, uh, fouls called on them than they do on average. Arkansas averages, I believe it's a little under 17 fouls a game, personal fouls a game. And so that means on average, they get called for 13 personal fouls at home, which is just a significant advantage. And so I wasn't necessarily saying they're cheating at all, actually, because that doesn't make sense. What I, what I was saying is that they, 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 get, they get less calls at home. It's just simply the way it is. And then you look, and darn if, if uh, Arkansas only got called for 13 fouls in this game. 13 fouls as opposed to Kentucky 17. And I'm not saying the officiating was bad. I said at the beginning of the show, I thought it was pretty good, actually. which is so- saying something. I thought the officiating was good. Um, but, but this is just one of those games where it's like you went into an environment where you're going up against a team that is just red hot, they're playing good, really good defense. Um, they've got they've got some uh, they've got some guys shooting well. It's a it's uh, it's loud, it's ruckus. Not a lot of teams are winning on the road in the SEC, and uh, and the the officiating tends to lean the way of the Razorbacks. And again, I'm not saying it's, che- it's cheating. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I thought the game was well officiated. Um, it's just the way it is. There are a lot of things going against Kentucky in this game, and they ended up losing. And so there will be adjustments made moving forward. We've only got two more home games, or excuse me, regular season games. What am I saying? We've got uh, at home against Ole Miss, senior night. We'll be honoring Kellen Grady, Davion Mintz. And then we will uh, we'll be playing at Florida. Then we head into the SEC tournament. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what this team does to adjust. And I believe they will. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnUK. You can follow me on Twitter, at LanceDaw underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram, at Kentucky Podcast. Again, like I mentioned, if you're listening on podcast format, hit me on the socials. Tell me what you thought about the game. Tell me what you thought about the episode. If you're listening or if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can do the same. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody, and God bless.